to receive from our God. Speak to us today, Holy Spirit. Minister to us. Even as we've ministered to you in worship and in praise. In Jesus' name, amen. In biblical terms, a disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ. If you follow Christ, you are a disciple. A disciple is also a believer. Notice the word, a disciple, the word believer. A disciple is a believer. That means you believe what God has said to you in his word. You just don't believe one part and don't believe the other part. You believe the word of God. That is a believer. You are called a believer. That means it's your nature to believe when it comes from the word of God. When you are born again, you have that nature in you. Unless you resist it, you have the ability to believe. You don't have to conjure up faith. You are a believer. That's who you are. You are a believer. You are born into this discipleship program. And you do that happens by uh, the way of the new birth. And how does one get into the new birth? How do you become a disciple? Sometimes we make it very difficult, but it is so easy. It is easy because the work is already done. All you have to do is to accept it. We make it too difficult and people wonder whether they are true disciples or not. And so they can't move forward. But this is just all what to do to become a disciple of the Lord Jesus. You must first realize that you are a sinner. God requires that. That you realize without a doubt that, yeah, I'm a sinner. I'm just like the rest of them. I'm no better than the rest of them. I'm lost without Christ. I'm lost in this vast universe without God. If you realize that, you are in a good place. Once you realize, I know that I'm lost, you are in a good place. And then the second thing that you have to realize is that your good deeds will not help. Having a good character is not going to help you to be saved. Having a good character will not help you to be a disciple. He won't get you heaven doing good deeds will not help you good deeds are good they'll help people but it won't help you with respect to god it won't help you with respect to your salvation it won't help you with respect to being a disciple of the lord jesus you have to realize that there's nothing you can do on your own to bring salvation to your life so the first thing you know i'm a sinner i'm just like the rest of them Secondly, I acknowledge there's nothing I can do on my own. And then the third thing is you have to believe on the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Totally. With all of your heart. You have to believe that Jesus died for your sins, no doubt. Not our sin. My sin. Well, if he died for your sin, you don't have to die for your sin anymore, right? He did it for you. He did it out of love. He paid the price for you. So that you can be saved. So that you can go to heaven. Nothing you can do on your own will earn you that. You just have to believe and receive it. It's a gift. You receive it. So you realize, I'm a sinner. I can't help myself. My good deeds cannot help me. My good character cannot help me. 
And all I know is Jesus paid the price for me. And I'm going to trust in that. And that's all God is asking. Once you put your faith in that, the next thing is to commit. I will now follow you. Because once you've done that, you become a disciple. Isn't that easy? That's all. If I ask you, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? That he is the son of God. He died for your sins. And truly died for your sins. And you say, yes, I truly believe that. And you say, I believe that with all of my heart. That makes you a Christian. That makes you a disciple. Maybe you didn't know that before. But you need to know that. It's not of good works. You're a Christian now. Now begin to follow the master. That's all to do. Ask questions. What do I do next? That's what Paul did, right? What do I do? Jesus appeared to Paul. And Paul said, Jesus actually said to him, Why are you persecuting me? And Paul said, his reply was, Okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? (laughs) I believe it's okay now. He said, What do you want for me to do? That's it. I want to follow now. No long prayers. I just want to follow. That makes you a disciple. And when you become a disciple, you join the army of love. There is an army, God's army. It's the army of love. And as a part of that army, we are going into battle, to fight. And what we're doing is enlisting others to become a part of this army of God. And as we enlist others, we become stronger and we are all in a move into the promised land. So God has a promised land for every believer. What is your promised land? You were not born into the world without a cause, without a reason. Especially you're not born again. God did not give birth to you as a child. You didn't believe by your own. Jesus said you did it because of him. He gave you that authority and gave you the right. Now that you are a believer, you need to discover the land he's promised you. Where is your promised land? And if you know of your promised land, then you must set out to inherit your promised land. You know, in Numbers, Moses, after he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, God instructed him and said, I want you to pick out or select 12 men, one from each tribe of Israel, one from each tribe. And I want you to send them into the land that I am giving to them. What did he say? I want you to send them to spy out on the land that I am about to give them. So when you get saved, you leave the land of Egypt and you go into the wilderness, God is leading you into your promised land. And so he told them, take, select these 12 men, send them in, and let them spy out on the land. And I think in the mind of God, they are going to be so excited when they see what I have prepared for them. Amen. That's why he sent them, go, search out the land, come back, bring, bring them good news. Get them so excited that they are ready, they can't wait to get 
And so the twelve spies went into the land and spent 40 days spying out on the land. And uh, they got into a valley called Eshkol, that means a a cluster, and they got some good grapes. They were happy about that. And they came back home partly excited. And when they got to the camp, 40 of them, the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they all came out. I'm sure they were very excited. Tell us! Tell us! And Moses and Aaron, they all stood. Tell us about the land. And they started really well. They said, wow, it was a wonderful land. A land flowing with milk and honey. A beautiful land. And they said, look, here are some of the grapes. And then it went downhill after that. They said, but every time God is giving you a promise in the word of God, and you look into your own personal resources, and look into your own life and your giftings and all of that that you think you have, and you say, well, I know that God has said this to me, but you canceled everything before that, including God who gave you the promise. You ruled him out. Once you use the word but, they said, but the people in the land, they're strong. And the land is fortified. Their cities are fortified. And we even saw men that were so tall. They are giants. Children of Anak. Giants in the land. Caleb was one of those that went with them. And when he noticed the way they were talking, I mean, after you've been with these negative guys for 40 days, you know when they begin to speak where they're going. And as soon as he noticed where they were going with that, and noticed the people were listening right now, they were listening and wanting to hear something good. The first part was good. Now the second part wasn't very good. And if they continued, the whole camp would be discouraged. And Caleb knew this. And so he said, the Bible says, he stopped them. I'll read from Numbers chapter 13 verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. Not the congregation. These ten unbelieving believers. Quieted them. Be quiet. And then he said to them, before Moses, let us go up at once and take possession. How did he know that they were saying we can't go in? He knew them. He knew them. He knew they were going that way. And he says, no, let's not go there. Let us go at once. Let's not wait. He saw everything that they saw. The fortified city. The giants. But he wasn't moved by that. He said, let us go at once and possess the city is a good land. He said, we are well able to overcome it. We are well able to take it. Then that's the title of the message today. You are well able to take whatever promise God has given to you.
Whatever promise you have laid your hands on, you are well able. Because you are a disciple. And you are following the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me let you know this. They said there are giants in the land. Every promise of God has a giant in it. Amen. Every dream given to you by God has a giant in there to hinder the fulfillment of that dream. Every dream. If it's not of God, you won't have any giants and you're going nowhere with it. But every dream has a giant in, the prom- in that promised land. We have to recognize that. The bigger the dream, the bigger the giants in the land. To hinder you from getting it. So if the dream is really big and you have great giants in it, then you know that the dream is from God. If the dream has no giants in it, uh, you may have had uh, something uh, ridiculous before you went to sleep. Now. <laughs> you had a funny dream. But if it's a dream of the Holy Spirit, and once you have become a disciple of the Lord Jesus, most of the things that flow through your heart for the better of your life, your family, for the better of mankind, the church of God, guess where it's coming from? The Father's heart. And as soon as those dreams get into your heart, fear comes in. The devil tells you, there are giants in the land, and you are not able. But what must you say? We are able. We are able to take that giant. Maybe your, your promised land today is a desire to live a life that is a little bit more dedicated to God. A little bit more in your devotion to God. If that is, the enemy will immediately begin to show you why this may not be able to happen. You want to live a more holy life before God. When you think about that, and as you begin to survey that land of more, a closer, a closer walk with God, the enemy begins to show you the giants that might be on this way. Some of the addictions that you may have in your life that will prevent you. Yeah, you can say all you want about getting closer to God and getting holy, but you know you got this anger problem. How are you going to overcome uh, this anger problem and, and, and get closer to God? He shows you that. And then he shows you some other things. And you begin to wonder, am I going to be able? Those are the giants. But what should you say? God is with me. I am able. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by the Spirit of God. You are able and God is with you. Maybe your promised land in your, in your heart. I want to be able to attend church more regularly in 2009. I want to be able to study my Bible more consistently. 
I have, there's a lapse in that area of my life. I've not been able to do it. Every time I get my Bible to, to read and study, I fall asleep. And every time I kneel to pray, I, I, I snore. That can <laughs> How am I going to be able to overcome that? But you must say, God is with me. We are well able. You don't stop there. Maybe you want to live a more healthy life. Maybe you want to think, you're thinking, that maybe I need to watch what I eat. But I love... Hmm. <laughs> Am I going to be able to walk past those donuts, man? They have my name written on them. Those are your giants. And you're afraid. Maybe it's to love more this year. You want to love people, the people of God. You're reading with hate and you're angry. And you don't even know why. And you're saying, oh, I want to be free from all of that. I know if I, if I free myself from all of that, I will be able to hear God better. I will be able to do more for the Lord. Maybe I will be able to start a Bible study. But I can't start with all of this. Then I, I really can't start a Bible study where you notice the giant. And you paid attention to the giant. But you must always say, we are able. I can do it. I can do it. God has told me, He's given me the promised land. I can do it. Maybe it's to spend more time with your family. You have been too busy. Be quiet, Angela. <laughs> The kids need me. But how am I going to do it? If I, if, if, if I spend more time with them, then I will make more bucks. I mean, and then we all suffer. Well, God is the one that is going to provide for you. You have made yourself the provider. I read a scripture recently that shocked me. God said, don't overwork yourself trying to be rich. Oh God, hold on, this is Proverbs, yeah, this is words of wisdom. He said, don't overwork yourself trying to be rich. Leaning on your own understanding. Leaning on your own understanding. He said, don't you realize riches are like, they have wings and they fly. So don't overwork yourself. You're leaning on your own understanding. But you can make that decision. I'm going to spend more time. That's priority. The kids have a very short time to live with you at home. I'm very aware of them now. These kids are growing up. They are beginning to question everything I say. <laughs> Before long, they'll be bringing some stranger to my home. Say, so see this guy? I've never seen him before. What does he want? <laughs> or see this girl? That time comes very quickly. And then they're gone. And you've missed out on it. I want to spend more time. Maybe that's your promised land. Things will stay in their mind and they'll never forget. The times that they were with daddy and mommy and they had fun. 
Maybe that's your promised land. Do not consider the giants. Amen? Consider what God wants to do in your life. You know, it was so funny. Those guys were not crying when they came back to Moses. Huh? They were just telling them what they saw. And the more they talked about the problem of going into the land, guess what? The sadder they got. The more they talked about the impossibilities of, of going into the land, the sadder they got. Before long, they were crying, and the whole camp was crying. Stay away from negative people. Stay away from them. They'll make you cry. <laughs> and they'll make you become hopeless in life. They started to cry. And that was a bad night. It was so God intended it for a, to be a great night for the whole house of Israel. They should have been shouting. Can you imagine three million people wailing and crying? I'm sure the neighbors were saying, who spanked them that's bad? <laughs> what happened to them? The Bible said they lifted up their voice and they began to cry. And they wept. And as they were weeping, they began to complain. What was the problem? The giants in their promised land. And they began to blame Moses. They said, Moses, why did you bring us out of Egypt to this place? To kill us. And then they started to blame God. They felt like victims. Let me read this for you. Numbers chapter 14, verse 3. Why has the Lord <laughs> seen the audacity, right? When you are afraid of the giant, you begin to fight with God. They said, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? Do you really believe that God brought them to that place to make them fall by the sword? But when you consider the giants and you take your eyes away from the giants, you won't go into the promised land. You'll begin to blame God. That God has brought you to a place where you can no, not move farther and you can't even go back. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to, uh, to fall by the sword? That our wives and our children should become victims. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Notice what they're saying. When you consider the giant and you forget the God who has called you into your promised land, whatever that is that God is calling you to achieve in life for his glory, you consider the giant, you consider your resources, and you feel like this is my resources are not enough. I'm not able to do it. I don't have what it takes. It won't work for me. When you consider that... Then you begin to blame God and you find yourself believing that you are a victim. Now, victims are, will never become victors. But God has called us to be more than conquerors. 
As long as you believe you are a victim, as long as you stay with that mindset, you will never become a victor. Never. Because victims never take responsibility for their own actions. They always have somebody else to blame. It was my father that did this to me. If my father hadn't done that to me, I would be diff- it would be different for me today. Well, take responsibility. Someone may have done the same thing to your father. Who is going to change it? If my mother hadn't done this to me, if my father wasn't do- this bad, if my father wasn't a drunk, if, if the pastor didn't do this, if he hadn't done that, you have a victim mentality. And as long as you retain a victim mentality, you will not be a conqueror. No Christian has the right to see himself or herself as a victim. Because he paid for it all. Jesus was the ultimate victim for us. Amen? He paid the price for us. So that you can never be a victim in life. Never. But when you accept the victim mentality because of the things that have happened to you in the past, even though the scripture says, if any man be in Christ, is a new creation, a new creature, but you won't let go, you're still a victim, you'll never progress in life. you never do great things. There will always be giants in the land. And you will always blame people for your problems. You'll never move, get along. Get rid of the victim mentality. I see that too much here. If, I, if my parents had, had uh, worked hard to send me to college, well, there are people that haven't been in college and they are doing very well. What's your problem? It's the victim mentality. Somebody to blame so you can sit down and enjoy your failure. It's your fault. Where will that earn you? Where, where will that take you in life? We need to get rid of that victim mentality. And be gone. So what do you say? I am able. I know it's been bad in the past. Yes, they did this to me. But I'm going to put that aside. The bigger the giants, the bigger the victory. Amen. <laughs> I believe God allows the giants to be in the land. Because if you don't have giants in the land, there is no story to tell. Who is going to be interested in that story? Huh? No one is going to be interested. But if there are great giants in the land and you whip them all, when you begin to tell your story, somebody is going to listen. That's why God wants the giants there. He allowed them there. So that the victory will be sweeter. Amen. And we need to recognize that that's the way God works. Everything that happened in your life before now, especially the negative things, they are not there to destroy you. If God allowed them, they were for your good, they are for your promotion. But if you lash on to those giants and refuse to look up to God, you'll remain there. You know what the, the people said? They said, why didn't you allow us to die in Egypt? They prefer, just because of the giants, they were ready to live as slaves rather than live in their promised land. Just the giants standing in their way. 
And they said, we'll rather die in this wilderness. And they cried. It was funny, if you read the story, that's in Numbers chapter 14. When they started saying to God, why have you brought us here? You know what Moses and Aaron did? They fell on their faces on the ground. They knew what was coming. These people have crossed the line. Even before anything happened, they were already pleading, God, this is not good. This is not going to be good. And they cried all that night. And Caleb and Joshua went to them and said, no, you don't want to do this. He said, you don't want to rebel against God. Why do you want to rebel? You know, when God has called you, get this together in your mind. When God has called you to do something great and you are in the process, and because of the giant and the land, you have decided to give up and not to do anything about it and just sit back. You know what you're doing? In the mind of God, you are rebelling against him. That's what, they, that's what they told him. Why do you want to rebel against us? If you are a person of faith, and Joshua and Caleb were people of faith, they told them, don't do this. You don't want to do this. They said to them, don't do this. He said, we are well able to take the land. They said, their defense is gone from them. Because God is on our side. God has already said, I'll give you the land. The land is yours. Take it. You have to fight. Kill the giants. He said, Joshua and Caleb said, their defense is gone from them. They are bread for us. We'll eat them alive. They are bread for us. They said, don't be afraid of them. Let's go at once. And the people started talking about stoning them. Joshua said, if God delights in us, and if God is with us, there is no way we will fail. So what you need to know as you walk into your promised land, whatever that is, you must know that God is with you. Do not count on your resources. All I need to know is whether God is with me. That's all we need to know. He's God with me in this thing. But God is saying, I want you to go. Take the promised land. God is on your side. No matter how difficult it has been. And that's what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8 verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? All you need to know is God is with me. And God has been wanting to be with us for so long. He is with you. When you become a child, God is with you. Everywhere you go. I believe it's in Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6. God says, take courage, don't be afraid. I am going with you. That was before they went into the promised land, before Moses departed. God was speaking through Moses. God said, don't be afraid, don't get discouraged. I will go with you. And that's what the word of God is saying here in Romans chapter 8. If God be for us, who can be against us? No giant, no man, no angel, no demon will prevent you from entering into your promised land. If you are prevented from entering into your promised land, you did. 
because you are afraid of the giant. Every promise of God has a giant in it. And God is wanting you to whip that giant. Bring him down. And not be afraid of him. You remember the story of David and Goliath. That's a true story of a giant that was preventing them from their inheritance. The people were afraid. <laughs> but David said, hey, God has been walking with me for a long time. See, I killed the bear. And I killed the lion. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to whip that fellow. He's coming down. Amen? The people in the days of uh, Moses said, we are not able. And Joshua and Caleb said, we are able. You know what side God took? He stayed with Joshua and Caleb. They were the only two that went into that land. From that generation God was with David the giant was big but guess what unknown David after he killed that giant became a well known man in all the land even among the enemies amen if you are afraid of your giant you will always be a victim and never a victor so God is with us. Third thing is, do not settle down for failure. Don't settle for failure. You know, the devil would like to say to you, well, why don't you just give up? How many times have you tried and failed? Everything that you've done has not worked. What makes you think this new zeal you have is going to last. What makes you think God will help you now? What thing have you done different from before? He is not going to work. So why don't you just settle down and die in the wilderness? Why don't you retreat and go back to Egypt and die as a slave in Egypt? Instead of becoming a prince, you want to die as a slave. But God has not given birth to anyone that will settle for failure. You have the seed of God. You have God's DNA. And the only thing that's hindering me, the only thing that's hindering you is because of our mind. And the giants that we have created in our minds and what people are saying to us, you can't do this, you can't do this, you've tried, and the enemy will use people to tell you things. And they mean well. But if you listen to them, then you will never enter into your promised land. No matter the circumstance, don't settle for failure. No matter the circumstance, don't retreat. If you retreat, you fall. Jesus said, every man that puts his hand on the plow, if he looks back, he is not fit for the kingdom. If you hesitate, Satan will take you out. Forget how many times you have tried in this thing to overcome this problem in your life. Don't just settle. Many times when Christians say this, well, I'm leaving it up to the Lord. Sure. I'm leaving it, it's up to the Lord. 
Let God do what he pleases. You know what they are doing? They have given up. They talk like they are speaking words of faith. It's just a religious word coming out of their mouth. They don't mean what they are saying. What they are saying is, I've tried everything and I'm just going to settle for whatever comes. You know, Eli did that when God was trying to point out to Eli about what was happening in his family. Your sons are sinning against me. I'm going to kill all of them. I'm going to kill all of them. And God said to him through Samuel, there will be no priest coming out of your home. You know what he said? You would think he would go on his face and plead like David. He didn't do that. He said, it is the Lord. Let him do whatever he wants. And they all died. They all died. Abimelech, the last priest, God took him out as well. No priest from that family. But what would you think would have happened if he had called his sons and cried out? Even when it's from God. I know how God changed his heart with regards to Ahab. And Ahab was one of the really wicked kings. When he humbled himself, God said, go back and tell him, I'm not going to do it right now. Do not settle down for failure. Do not give up on anything good that God has given to you. Don't give up anything good. Don't give up. Do not give up on your marriage. Some people do. (laughs) They think it's so difficult now. I didn't know she was like this. Man, it's torture. I don't even want to go home. They want to give up on your marriage. They think, if I can find this woman that will do this for me, then it will be fine. Or the woman wants to give up on the marriage. He's a bully in the house. You're going to give up. Just because of the challenges that you have to face. It may not get better after that. Amen? It may not get better after that. You don't know. Fight for your marriage. Amen? Don't let it go. Don't give up on it. Fight for your children. Yeah, they're acting crazy. You thought you've done everything to help them to follow God, but now you've given up and you don't know what to do and you're just going to let God do whatever. God is going to serve them, but there's no faith in there. Don't give up on your kids. Believe God. If you can't do anything, stand in faith. Having done all to stand, the Bible says, stand therefore. Stand. Refuse to give in. Don't give in. Don't give in, give up on your life, your search for a better life. Don't give that up. Don't give it up. They have tried. So I'm going to get the, I'm going to give the business up. I'm going to give up. No. Try a little bit again. Don't give up on your search for a Christian spouse. If you're single, well, I've tried. I can't find any Christian man or Christian woman. So I'm going to do it this way. <laughs> I'm going to go to the bar. That's where to meet men. You have given up. You've given up. 
not give up on anything that God has given to you that is good. Don't ever give up. If God has given you a dream, there's going to be obstacles. There's going to be difficulties. You should expect it. If, you, if it's not coming, begin to wonder, am I in the right path? What's going on? I read a story of a man that God was blessing so much. And he knew that with, with blessings come, comes a lot of problems, you know. And he was in a spirit. It was a time of harvest for him. And everything was going on very well for him. So he went to the Lord. He said to the Lord, he said, Lord, are you sure you are in this blessings coming? Because uh, I'm not experiencing any kind of problem. What's going on? He was a man of understanding. And God told him, don't worry about it. You've been through this difficult time. This is your promised land. You can enjoy Amen? So don't settle down. Always look up to the hill. Don't look to man. Man will disappoint you. And learn, don't trust in any man. Even when they tell you, I'm going to do this. I know that for sure. I will not give up on the work that God has called me to do. When we started this ministry, we were going to, I was traveling to Nigeria often, and we spent a lot of money. We were using our own uh, finances to get this thing done. And uh, sometimes I will send to Nigeria, I'll call my friend who is wealthy, give them a hundred thousand naira because I want to have this crusade. And believe me, I don't have a cent. And I'll promise him when I get there, I'll pay you. Amen. And sometimes my wife used to call me in those days. She says, you are giving them this one hundred thousand. You have the money. And I'm scared to tell her no. It's Angela, it's practical. That's the way it is. But guess what? Before that time, God will provide for me. But you know the funny thing that was happening? Sometimes we had a large church. Real, real wealthy individuals would come to me and say, Hey, brother, good luck. You're going back to Africa? And I said, Yes. Huh? He said, I'm going to give you some time. It was funny. I don't hold anything against them. I just figure God didn't ask them to bless me. But after that, when the time comes for them to deliver, when I see them coming on this aisle, guess what? They move to the other aisle. <laughs> I, they avoid me. And I say, it's okay. You don't have to give me. Still greet me as your friend. You cannot depend on men. Don't you ever do that. If you look to that, it will become a giant. Because you're looking to this man and now he's failing you. You're, there comes your giant. He's failing you so you can't move on. You can't do that. You depend on God and God alone. Amen? You must look to the hills where your help comes from. That's where to look. You are not without help. Never say, I cannot help myself. You know why? Because you already have help from God. So you can never say, I can't help myself. God didn't ask you to help yourself. He said, he is your help. God is your help. All he wants from us is to trust him. Amen? The Bible tells us in Isaiah 41 verse 10, Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God wants to help you. 
And you are in this 2009, you are entering into your promised land and no one is able to stop you. Say with me, I am able. Yes. What is your dream? Stand up with me this morning. Again, like I said, if you believe that Jesus died for your sin, amen, and you believe your good works cannot help you, and you believe that he is risen from the dead, you have no doubt in your mind about that. You know who you are? You are a Christian. You are a Christian. Satan likes to put doubt in our heart. Don't receive that doubt. You are a believer. What you need to do is now say, okay, God, what do I do next? Amen? What do I do next? You are a Christian because you believe. It's not that difficult. Start getting closer to God and asking God, you are now my daddy. Would you speak to me? And you'll be amazed. Your father will start talking to you and your life will begin to blossom. It's doubt that keeps us from the promised land. Doubt that brings fear as you look to yourself. Say with me, I will no longer doubt. I am able. Amen. Take a hold of your dream and get it fulfilled because God is with you. Let's raise our hands to the Lord this morning. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the people of God. These that believe in you. Energize them, O oh God. And let us know without a doubt that you are with us. And that we are able to go and take that country. Our promised land, we are able. Even though there be giants to hinder us. We are able. And we'll take our promised land. We will enjoy our Canaan land. Lord, bless your people this year with abundance. Bless your people this year with increase. Take the obstacles away from their lives. And let them know good from our God. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.